Again, welcome. My name is Pastor Micah, uh, if you don't know me yet, and I'm super glad that you're all here. If you're here visiting today, maybe a loved one or a friend who's getting baptized, we're especially glad that you're here, and I know it meant a lot to them to have you here and celebrate this great day with them. So we've been in this, um, this little three-week series uh, the last couple of weeks called This Is What We Do. And uh, we're going to be closing that out today, but just kind of kind of catch you up a little bit if maybe you're, this is your first time with us or something. This series is a little unique because um, this sermon series really isn't about me, and it's not about you. Um, this series is about us collectively as a church, as the church of Jesus Christ. Even if you're not a member here at Harvest, if you're a part of Christ's church, this, this series is about us as the church and what we're called to and what we're not called to. See, a lot of people kind of get confused about what the church is about. As the church, we're not called to, you know, fight against the world or protest against the government or... Now, I understand there are times where we have to contend for the faith as uh, it talks about in the New Testament. I totally get that. But that's not supposed to be our thing. Are you tracking with me? That's not supposed to be the main thing the church is about or known for. Our thing is supposed to be what we've been talking about the last couple weeks. Um, what is the bottom line for the church? And so this series is all about that. It's about what does God want for us? What does he have for us? I believe that God is doing a great new work here at Harvest. He's refining us. He's preparing us. He's, he's moving us forward. He's setting our eyes on him. And I believe that the greatest days are still ahead. And he's going to be doing some awesome things in our lives and in our church in the next year if we will press into the things that he is about, the things that makes his heart rejoice. And that's what this series really has been about. And so this series is called This Is What We Do. And um, so thankful to Pastor James allowing us to share this series and, and to use this in our church. And so the first week we talked about that we have to welcome without judgment, right? Welcome without judgment. And we see Jesus do this all the time throughout the New Testament, right? You have Zacchaeus, the tax collector, which was like his, the enemy of the Jews. You have Nicodemus that he, he welcomed and had a relationship with. who was this, this kind of, you know, legalistic Pharisee. You had the, the sinful woman who came in and anointed his feet that we talked about a couple weeks ago. You have all these different types of people from all different walks of life that Jesus welcomed in to relationship with him. So we have to welcome without judgment, just like Jesus did. But we also, last week we talked about, we have to love without condition. Again, Jesus does this time and time again. I think about how he meets the Samaritan woman at the well, right? And she's a Samaritan, and he's a Jew, and she's got all this sin, and she's got all this stuff in her past, but he just loves her anyways. And she tries to throw up all these roadblocks, but he just keeps loving her and keeps inviting her in. While he's literally on the cross dying for our sins, He's still loving without condition. He's got a thief on both sides that start railing at him and start yelling at him. And eventually one of them repents and says, will you forgive me? He says, yeah, you're, you're, you're coming with me to heaven. He's loving without condition in the moment in which he's dying for the sins of the people that are, that he's, that are hating him. Right? Even after his resurrection, he comes back and he, he goes to Peter, the, the disciple who swore up and down that he would never desert Jesus, but then denied him three times leading up to his crucifixion. He comes back to Peter and says, listen, there's still a place for you. Come on, feed my sheep, right? Lead my church, and he loves without condition. That's our Jesus. But today, we're gonna to talk about what I think might be the hardest of the three, and is the one that kind of pulls it all together. I hope if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, maybe you've been feeling a little um, discomfort in these messages, maybe a little cognitive dissonance, maybe a little bit of I don't know if I like that, if I agree with that, if I can do that. Anybody else having that going on? Right? Good. That's right where we need to be. And I think that week number three is going to kind of pull it all together and give us the tools that we need to really zero in on this is what we do. So today I want to talk about how we forgive without limit. Forgive without limit. Our text today is going to be Matthew 18. So if you've got a Bible, you can go ahead and get open to Matthew 18. Actually, we're going to flip around a couple times. I usually don't do this. I usually give you a text, and we stay right in that text. And we're going to, we're going to land in Matthew 18 eventually. But I've got a couple other verses I want us to look at first. 
we're going to kind of do a flyover, a, 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 a survey, if you will, of the New Testament Gospels and what they have to say to us about forgiveness. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, there should be a hardback black one somewhere there on the floor around you. Feel free to grab one of those from underneath the chairs and you can use that as well. We'd love for you to follow along with us. So I want you to actually do some work with me this morning. Can we work a little bit today? Can we do that? So we're going to actually turn the pages in our Bible. Let me hear the pages turn in your Bible, okay? Um, if you got one of those fake electronic Bibles, you can maybe make the noise with your mouth or something, okay? Um, no, that's cool. That's cool. I'm just, just kidding. Whatever, whatever you got. As long as you got an eye on God's Word. We're going to Matthew chapter 6 to start with. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Here's the first point this morning. Jesus Christ mandates forgiveness. Jesus Christ mandates forgiveness. Look at this in Matthew 6, verse 11. It says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, many of you are probably familiar with those verses, right? That's part of the the Lord's Prayer, right? Who, who memorized the Lord's Prayer when you were a kid, like VBS or Confirmation or whatever your thing was, right? So we've all heard that a lot. We've probably memorized that at times. But notice on verse 12, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. As we. Have you ever thought about those words? What's that mean? Does that mean that God will forgive me as I am forgiving others, like if I, as I'm in the process of forgiving, that he'll forgive? Does that mean that as we, as much as, like to the degree of which I forgive others, that's the, the degree to which God will forgive me? What's, honestly, either one of those options are pretty terrifying, right? But it says it right here in God's word, right? Jesus is clearly connecting the way I forgive with how God forgives me. He's connecting these two ideas together, right? The way I forgive, the way God forgives me, like this. Look at verse 14, go just a little bit further down. For if you forgive others their trespasses, another word for sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He says it again, second time, just in a couple verses. Which, and this one almost implies like I have to go first, right? As you forgive, then your heavenly Father will forgive. And if that wasn't enough, look at verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Okay, 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 Jesus, we got it. All right, third time, right? You think he's trying to make a point here? Listen to this statement right here and listen very carefully. Every habitually unforgiving person remains unforgiven by God and is at this moment not a citizen of heaven. Some of y'all are getting a little alarmed at what, you're like, did the pastor just say that? Yes, I did. Listen very carefully. Every habitually unforgiving person remains unforgiven by God and is not in this moment a citizen of heaven. Now, here's what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about struggling with the process of forgiveness, okay? I'm not talking about the, I'm, I'm, I'm forgiving, I'm forgiving, and then, oh, I messed up, I, you know, now I'm back again, I have to start forgiving. Like, I'm not, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about trying and failing and trying and failing. That's not this. I'm talking about the, I will not, I'm digging my heels in, unresponsive, I don't care, unshakable, unrestrained, not improving heart of unforgiveness. If you have that, that settled pattern of I'm not going to forgive anyone, then you're not saved. I know that seems harsh. You're like, Michael, you don't know. Like, only God knows if I'm saved. You're right, he does. But his word tells us, God said, if you don't have a heart of forgiveness towards others, then you have not experienced the forgiveness of God. Now, some of you hear that and you're kind of getting upset and you're, you're starting to worry, maybe even doubt, am I saved? I don't know if I'm saved. Here's how you know. If you're really saved and you hear that, what your heart does is say, man, I don't want to miss this, and you run towards forgiveness. You think of every person right now that you haven't forgiven and you run to get that right. But for the rest of you that are sitting there going, well, so be it. 
that's what it is, that's what it is. That's the person I'm worried about. That's the person that needs to be concerned this morning. Do you need some more verses? I think we need some more verses. Who needs more verses? Come on now. All right. Go over to Mark. You're like, Micah, this is heavy stuff. Okay, I'm going to help you. Hold on. Mark chapter 11. Let me hear the pages. Come on. The mouth noises are, are louder than the page noises, guys. We're losing the battle here, okay? All right. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 11, verse 25 says this. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, start over. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. It says it right there again, right? Forgive so that you can be forgiven. And here it's talking about standing and praying. Did we just do that? Were we all just singing and standing and then Nathaniel prayed and we were praying? We just all did that, right? And uh, I just kind of peeked a little bit, just, you know, I know you're not supposed to do that in prayer, but like, I didn't see one single person when we started standing and praying here in church this morning, be like, oh, stop, and like run out the door to go get forgiveness right with somebody. Nobody did that, right? But this says whenever you stand, which means like all the time, praying, we just did that, make sure that you have a heart forgiveness that you've forgiven look at verse 26 and then it says but if you do not forgive neither will your father who is in heaven forgive your trespasses can he make it any more clear jesus saying listen if you leave this place today with a a continued heart of unforgiveness drive carefully on the way home right? If you're standing in your kitchen today or tomorrow and you start to have a heart attack, you might want to pick up the phone and call that person first and get the forgiveness thing right before you call 911 because that's way more serious than what's physically happening to your body. If the forgiveness thing is not taken care of, that's the end. But if the forgiveness thing is taken care of, then it really doesn't matter which one of us hits the exit ramp first, right? Like we're all headed to see Jesus. If you got the forgiveness thing, go. The Bible uses extremely urgent language on this topic. And sometimes it seems a little over the top and harsh, but here's the deal. If you were walking down the street and you saw this giant building engulfed in flames and burning down, and you looked up and you saw someone walking across the fourth floor, just kind of lackadaisically, just strolling through the building, you would immediately start yelling and screaming and using whatever language you had to use to get their attention, to get them out of the building, right? The burning building of unforgiveness will engulf anyone who continues to have an unforgiving heart and fall into the lake of fire And Jesus is saying, I don't want that to be you. And he'll say whatever it takes to get you out of that building. Here's what I'm saying this morning. Please listen carefully. You're not saved by forgiving. Are you tracking with me? You can't earn your salvation by forgiving others. That's not what I'm saying this morning. You're not saved by forgiving, but saved people forgive. That's what it is. You're like, Mike, I don't know. I, this seems pretty, pretty legalistic and harsh, and I don't, I don't know if I can handle that. I, I, think, I think I'm still not convinced. I think I need some, some more scripture. Who needs some more scripture? Okay, all right, all right. Okay, I got you. I got you. Go to Luke 6. Flip over a couple more pages. Luke chapter 6, verse 37. So we're now in the third gospel, right? The third gospel here. Jesus is still talking about forgiveness. In verse 37, says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. There it is again. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It's like, 
It's like Jesus says it in like every one of his sermons, man. Like he's just like, he's nailing the forgiveness thing. Flip over a couple more pages, Luke 17. Luke 17, verse 4. Like we never turn our Bibles this much. I know, I know. You, you get to rest in a second. I don't want to stress you guys out. Luke 17, verse 4 says, and if he sins against you seven times, talking about your brother here, if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Hmm. So the implied question here is like, how many times do we have to do this forgiveness thing, right? And Jesus is like, if he turns to you seven times in a day and repents, forgive. There's no limit there's no line that they can cross where Jesus is like, all right, never mind. You don't have to forgive them anymore. You can cut them loose. Jesus mandates forgiveness. You know what that word mandate means? It's a pretty strong word. Mandate means to demand something of another, often with specific consequences for implied non-compliance. It's not just a command, it's not just a demand, it's, it's do this or else. You're like, are you, are you saying Jesus threatens us? I don't think Jesus would threaten us. Like, that's not the loving Jesus that I see on cable TV. Like, I don't think that's the way, I'm sorry, you were incorrect. Yes, he is, and yes, he would. On something this serious, he most certainly would. He wants you out of the burning building. So if Jesus mandates forgiveness, what is forgiveness? What is he calling us to? I've used this definition with our church before. Let me give it to you again. I think it's super helpful. Forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. Forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. So just kind of help you understand this today, I'm going to do a little illustration for you, but I need, I need help from somebody. I need somebody who's got a $100 bill that I can use for this illustration. Anybody got a $100 bill in the house today? Come on, I know y'all are richer than that. You got something for me, Scott? Okay. Help me out here, man. Scott, like, barely even knows me. He's visiting here. And he's just, he's helping a friend get baptized today, but he's nice enough to help me with this. So, um, so if I take this $100 bill, and, and thank you, Scott, this will be the last time you see this, um, and, I, and I take this, and I put it in my pocket, and I just walk away, and, and what, what is that? No, it's a profitable illustration. That's what that is. Um, no, you're right. It's stealing, right? It's, it's me taking something from him that doesn't belong to me. And if I was to do that, and if I was to walk away, is Scott now in prison? Is he now forced to hold a grudge and to hate me and to say, I, I can't stand that guy. He took my stuff. He took my money. Like, is he locked in chains from this point forward in how he sees and relates to me? No, he's not. He can choose to forgive. He can say, you know what? God has forgiven me so much. I'm going to forgive this man. I'm going to absorb that debt that he owes me. It's okay. You don't have to pay me back. We're good. I'm going to write that off. That's what forgiveness is. That's the kind of forgiveness that God mandates. Where'd that go? No, I'm just joking. Here you go. We have to forgive because we have been forgiven. Jesus mandates that we forgive. That's the first thing this morning. All right. Now, we'll get to Matthew 18. All right, go to your Bibles, Matthew 18. You, this will be the last time you have to turn today, okay? You're with me? Turn to Matthew 18. Because I know what's going on in some of your heads right now. Some of you are saying, okay, Micah, that all sounds good and I understand. Um, but... <laughs> but you don't know, right? You don't know what that person did to me. 
you don't know the situation. You don't know the circumstances in my life that have led to this point. You've got that, yeah, but in your head. Well, good thing for you. That's point number two today, okay? Yeah, but. Jesus is going to speak to that here in Matthew 18. So look at verse 15 with me. We're going to start there. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So this passage right here, if you're not familiar with it, Jesus goes on then to talk some more. But this whole passage right here is, is about how to settle personal offense. When someone wrongs you, when someone comes, you know, does something wrong to hurt you or sins against you, how do you fix that? How do you resolve that conflict? That's what Jesus is talking about right here. He starts off, if your brother, if, if, <laughs> it's not if, it's, it's when, right? Like it's, it's going to happen. This is what happens in relationships. We're not perfect people. We do hurt each other from time to time. She says, if your brother hurts, you know, blah, 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 sins against you. And then, I, I, lo- I, just, I mean, I love, I love Peter. Like, Peter just, like, man, he just gets me, right? You ever feel like that? You're like, I can identify with Peter, man. He does some stuff that I'm like, I would do that. <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly how I would handle that situation. Well, right here, Peter, Peter gets stuck. He gets stuck on verse 15. Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, blah, blah, blah. And then Jesus keeps preaching, but Peter doesn't, say, doesn't hear a single word that Jesus says after that, because all he hears is, if your brother sins against you, do this. And he immediately gets stuck on that. You ever had that happen? Where the preachers, I know you do, I see it in your eyes. I don't act like you don't know. Like the preacher says something, you get stuck. You're, like, I'm, you're thinking, but you're trying to form your rebuttal. You're trying to process, like, how do I respond to that? What do I say to that? And, but Jesus just keeps going, right? But then look down at verse 21. Finally, Jesus breathes, I guess, and Peter jumps in, and he has his, his, his rebuttal ready. And it says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, right? And so, so Peter's question is, is the question I think we all have to ask at times is like, okay, I hear the forgive thing, but how much? How often? How, how often do I have to do this thing? Like, surely there's a there's a, a boundary, there's a limit. that We can all sympathize with that, can't we? Right? We've all got that one person in our life that it seems like we have to forgive over and over and over, right? Peter's like, how many times? He's like, how about seven times, Jesus? And Peter thinks he's just like knocking a grand slam right here. Because like during this time, like the Pharisees... Their teaching was you had to forgive somebody three times. Forgive somebody three times, and then you're good, all right? And, and if you go back to, like, the Old Testament law, there were parts of that where even said it was, like, zero times, right? Remember, like, the eye for the eye, tooth for a tooth thing, right? Like, there is no forgiveness. It's just consequences, right, for, for that thing. And so Peter's like, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to, I know Jesus is always raising the bar on stuff, or, like, he's always trying to, like, take it to the next level. And so I'm going to take the three, and we'll double it, and then add one just for good measure, right? So he's like, how about seven times, Jesus? And he's expecting Jesus to be like uber impressed. And he's like, oh, we got like a professional forgiver in our midst right here. Thank you, Peter. And in fact, why am I even up here? Why don't you just come up here and do the teaching thing? I'll sit and you can teach us all about, that's what, that's what Peter thinks is going to happen right here. And then Jesus blows their minds. Look at verse 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times times, or some of your translations might even say 70 times 7. And so the disciples are just floored right now. They're like, what? What what is he? I don't even know. Like, they didn't have, like, iPhones and calculators, right? So they're like, I don't even know, like, 70 times 7. Like, I don't, how does that, I don't know what that, uh, is this what Jesus is saying? Is this what Jesus is saying? He's saying, like, count it up, and then once you get to that number, all right, that's it. You're cut off. You're done. Like, no more for you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's an uncalculable number. We don't keep a count. If you're counting, that's not forgiveness. He's saying you forgive without limit, without any end in sight, without, there is no line. There's no end to forgiveness. 
But the disciples, as usual, still aren't getting it. So Jesus is like, okay, fine. Let me tell you a story. Right? That's always his go-to. So verse 23, he says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. He began to settle, and one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. So this story is about the kingdom of heaven. And if we're talking about the kingdom of heaven, who is the king? Who's the master? It's God, right? That's not a trick question. It's okay. Who's the king? Who's the king in heaven? It's God, right? So this story is talking about how God relates to the people in his kingdom. It says this guy comes and owed him 10 thousand talents. You know how much that is? Some of y'all, I know you're walking with your big fat study Bibles and you love to use those things. Like, look it up right now. Tell us. How much, how much is 10,000 talents? Somebody help me out. A lot. Okay, good. Thanks. Um, so it was about, it was about 20 years worth of wages. 20 years worth of wages. Who's got that saved up in the bank account? Right? This was an unpayable amount for this man. There was no way in his lifetime he was going to pay this off. He knows it, and so the master says that he should be sold with his wife and his children to help pay the debt, which seems really harsh to us, but that was actually the Old Testament law. You would be sold into slavery or servanthood to pay off the debt. And here's the message, friends. This is for free this morning. This is extra. Here's what God's word says. Pay your debts, right? Don't get into the point where you can't pay your debts. That's bad news. But anyways, the guy's like, I can't pay it. It's too big. And so he falls on his knees and he starts pleading with the master, have patience with me and I'll pay you back everything, which was not going to happen. But he's just, he's just trying to find any way out. Remember that, that little speech there, have patience with me. So it says the master had pity on him. And remember, who's the master again? God. So this is symbolizing the mercy of God to all of us who are indebted to him because of our sin. And it says here, the master forgave him everything. The entire debt wiped away. No more. He completely released him. And then verse 28, the story keeps going. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will repay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. This guy goes out and finds somebody else who owes him some money, a hundred denarii, which was about two months worth of wages. And this is completely shocking. Like in the middle of the street, he finds this guy and he grabs him. He grabs him by the neck and he starts choking him out. Pay me the money you owe! After he'd just been forgiven an unpayable debt, he's choking this guy out over the price of a used car. Right? Like this is, this is crazy. So the guy falls down and he gives him the exact same speech. Have patience on me. Have patience with me and I'll pay you everything, but the man, the first servant, he refused. He threw him in jail. It's not that he couldn't forgive. It's that he wouldn't forgive. The cost is too much. It's going to hurt too much. I can't let that go. It's too big. Never Allow yourself the luxury of thinking that forgiveness is anything but a choice. Sometimes we play these mind games with ourselves that forgiveness is something that is not always achievable. It's not always something we can do. There's certain criteria that has to be met or a certain amount of time has to pass. Forgiveness is a choice. Don't ever allow your mind to trick you into believing that it's anything less 
than your choice in the situation. So he says, put him in prison until he should pay the entire debt. How long is that going to take? How much money do you think they made in prison? Nothing. Nothing. You're not going to pay that debt off. It's never getting paid off. Verse 31, Jesus continues. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then their master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And you need to underline that verse in your Bible right there, 33. If you, if you write in your Bible, underline that one. Reach over and underline it for your neighbor. Okay, whatever it takes. Like just... Like this is key right here. Verse 34, and then in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Verse 33, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? If you've been forgiven by Jesus Christ, you need to take that verse and apply that to every relationship in your life. That worst situation, that most horrible person, that falling apart relationship, verse 33. If you've been forgiven, then we have to forgive. And here it is again in 35 so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother. Jesus is saying it again, right? If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. But he doesn't just say forgive. He says forgive your brother from your heart. Like truly forgive. Release them. Not the, not the you know, like the, the little sorry that your mom made you say to your brother when you were kids, right? Like, tell your brother you're sorry. Sorry. Like, it's not that, right? Like, it's like really heart level forgiveness so did Jesus take care of your yeah but yet did he address that for you yet this morning so the last thing I want to do is I just want to pull out a couple points out of the story to help us know how to walk in forgiveness okay and by the way, if you're sitting here going, yeah, this all sounds good, Mike, but I really don't have anybody in my life that I'm, I need, that I'm struggling with forgiveness or I need to forgive, come see me after service. We've got some people who are super great at offending and we'll get you hooked up so you have a chance to practice this with us all together. We don't want you to feel left out this morning if forgiveness isn't on uh, your radar right now. So forgiveness, point number three, last thing today, forgiveness is what we do. Forgiveness is what we do for these four reasons. Number one, because rationalizations are foolish. Because rationalizations are foolish. Peter here, he's trying to find a way out, right? He's like, tell me, Jesus, like, where's the line, right? Like, so where's the limit? What's, what's the escape clause? What's the, what's the exemption here? Like, surely there's something that falls outside of this. You know, there's a certain person that we don't have to forgive or a certain amount of time or there's a certain crime that they, or sin they can do against us that's it's obviously too... No. Forgiveness is always the way. It's the only way. Forgiveness is always the way forward. It's the only way that Jesus gives us, every relationship in your life is either headed for forgiveness or exit. Do you understand that? Every relationship you have is gonna come to a crossroads where you have to decide, will I forgive this person or am I out? So I wanted to do this illustration. I kind of had some problems finding what I wanted. So um, I found this little teddy bear from my daughter's room. Um, isn't he cute? Ah, uh, right? Everybody say ah. Uh. Okay. Uh, well, today he's going he's gonna to be a tumor. Um, so so I, just want you to, I just want you to imagine for a second, okay, that, um, 
that this is a, that this is a, a tumor here. Um, and, and, and here's the deal. A tumor, a physical tumor, is to the physical life what unforgiveness is to the spiritual life. Did you hear that? A tumor is to the physical life what unforgiveness is to the spiritual life. And when you get something like this in your life, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to anyone who's went through cancer or any other type of tumor. Our family has been through that, and I, I understand the, the severity of that. I'm just trying to make a point with you today, okay? The reason this happens is to alert you to the fact that there's something wrong, right? To alert you to the fact that there's something not right inside you that's going to hurt you, that's going to go somewhere worse if you don't get it corrected. Unforgiveness is the same thing in your spiritual life. If that's there, then you need to be aware that there's something wrong. There's a disconnect between you and Jesus. You need to get that corrected. And what's interesting to me, when we talk about unforgiveness, people start coming up with all these rationalizations, all these excuses. So let me just kind of weigh these out for you this morning. Five rationalizations. Number one, I can't forgive because it's too big. Right? You ever heard that? It's just too big. I can't forgive that. When you have a tumor, generally, the bigger it is, the faster I want it out. Are we tracking with that? No doctor's ever like, you know what? It's too big. We're just going to leave it in there. Right? Like, no, it's like, get that thing out as quickly as possible. Right? The bigger it is, the quicker you want to get it resolved. Same thing with unforgiveness. Number two, I can't forgive if I can't forget. How's that going for you? I'll, I'll forgive as, as soon as I can, as soon as I can for, forget that that is there, then I'll, does that work? Like, as soon as I forget it's there, doc, then you can cut it out. Really? You're going to forget? Like that's, you're not going to forget that. It's actually the opposite. If you want to forget it, the first thing you got to do is forgive it. Then maybe over time, you'll forget. Maybe not. Sometimes never. But it doesn't stop us from forgiving. Number three, the third rationalization, time will heal it. You hear that? Right? I know it's rough right now. The relationship's bad and there's some bitterness there, but if I, time will heal that. We're just going to let that lie right now. And again, do we do that with this? Does the doctor come to you and say, hey, you've got this thing. We need to take it back. You're like, no, what, doctor, let's just give it some time. I think time will heal it. I think it'll just go away on its own. We don't say that. It's not the way it works. Number four, I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. It's not my fault. They're the ones who sinned against me. It's not fair that I should have to forgive them first. You're right, it's not fair. And guess what? Tumors aren't fair. These don't show up because you deserved them. They just happen. Are you going to let the fact that it's unfair keep you from getting rid of it and getting to a healthier place? Or are you going to take that first step and forgive? If you're waiting on them, it might be a while. Number five, last one. If I forgive, they'll just do it again. They're just going to hurt me again. They're just going to sin against me again. Maybe. But again, am I going to leave this in because I'm afraid that if I cut it out, it's just going to grow back? No, I'm going to get it out, and then if it grows back, I'll get it out again, and I'll get it out again because I don't want it in me, right? That's unforgiveness. The only way to survive is to get rid of the tumor. Forgiveness is a survival skill. It's a spiritual survival skill. We have to forgive because the rationalizations are foolish. Second reason we have to forgive, because failure to forgive is destructive. Failure to forgive is destructive. Think about these two guys. They had to be pretty close friends, right? Like, to lend somebody two months worth of wages. Like, you're not just going to give that to a stranger, right? Like, you're not just going to give that to any Joe Schmo that walks up and says, hey, can I borrow some money? Yeah, sure, here's a couple thousand dollars. Like, we're not going to do that. 
you had to, they had to know each other pretty well, right? Like they had to have some level of relationship there. How do you think the relationship was after the choking and imprisonment thing? Do you think that was great? Do you think that they were still chums? No. Because unforgiveness is destructive to relationships. What about all the other people that were watching and saw him do this whole choking thing whenever he just got forgiven? How do you think the relationship was with those people? What do you think they thought about him after that? And then he gets dragged back in front of the master, right? And she's like, what are you doing, you wicked servant? Right? And he has to eat crow in front of the guy that just forgave him this huge debt. It's destructive to relationships. And every one of us has an appointment with the master at some point. And we're going to be sitting in front of him, and what do you want to hear him say when it comes to your life and how you forgave other people? Unforgiveness is destructive. If you don't forgive, man, watch out. Watch out. Because forgiven people forgive. That's what we do. I've said this statement before, and this is something that I want to keep saying to you and just ingraining into your heart. There are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. There are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. Not in your home, not in your extended family, not in your workplace, not in your neighborhood, nowhere. If we're not willing to forgive, relationships won't last because unforgiveness is destructive. Number three, forgiveness is what we do because God's forgiveness demands it. That's the whole point of Jesus' story, right? That as you've been forgiven, you need to forgive. The first guy was forgiven this huge amount. Let's call it $600,000. If you do the math out, this guy was forgiven $600,000, and he wouldn't forgive his friend one dollar. That's the difference we're talking about here. One dollar. How, how incredibly crazy is that? If you continue to withhold forgiveness from someone else, it is because you have not properly measured the debt of sin that you owed to God and that he forgave you of. If we can stand before someone and say, sorry, that's unforgivable, that's too much, it's too high of a price, then we have not truly understood the amount that we have been forgiven by God himself. People who have God's forgiveness give it. People who say they have it but won't give it reveal that they never really had it. Last thing this morning, forgiveness is what we do because the alternative is terrifying. The alternative is terrifying, man. The master brings him back and says, all right, fine. You're going to pay back all the debt. But he can't really pay it back, can he? He can't pay it back. What he has to do is he has to pay it off by spending time forever in prison. Spiritually speaking, if you don't, aren't forgiven the debt of sin that you owe to God, you will spend eternity in hell paying off that debt. Verse 35, so my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive. My forgiveness, God's forgiveness are connected. Famous um, painter Leonardo da Vinci painted a, a painting called The Last Supper, which is arguably one of the, the most revered paintings of Jesus Christ, maybe of all time. And uh, the story goes like this. He was painting this picture, and as he started, he painted kind of the room and the table and the food and, the, you know, all the, all the kind of stuff around. Then he painted the, the bodies of each person, and he was waiting. He saved the faces to last. But as he's working through this painting over a couple, several months or whatever it was, him and one of his close friends got into a fight. 
into a disagreement. And he was so mad at his friend that he used his friend's face, and he painted his friend's face on Judas, the betrayer, right? So he paints his friends, and then he goes and keeps painting all the faces, and he saved Jesus' face for last. And he got to Jesus' face, and he painted it, and it wasn't right. And so he started over, and he painted it again, and it still wasn't right, and he, he just couldn't get it right. And he realized he couldn't get it right because he was still harboring all this unforgiveness towards his friend. It wasn't until he went back and he redid the face of Judas into something else and forgave his friend that he was able to come back and paint the face of Jesus, which is now considered to be one of the most beautiful, merciful, contemplative, just perfect faces of Jesus ever painted. But before he could get this right, he had to get this right. He had to forgive before he could get himself right with Jesus again. Forgiveness is the only way forward with Jesus and with others. Forgiveness is the only way forward with both Jesus and with others. Here's the main thing today. Here's the whole point. We forgive without limit because we are forgiven without limit. We forgive without limit because we are forgiven without limit. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that is true of you. Through the perfect, sinless life and sacrificial death of Jesus Christ on the cross, God is willing to release you from all of your sin debts. If you will turn to him and trust in him alone, just as these people did and confessed before you today, you will be forgiven all of your sin debts. He forgives without limit. We just have to turn away from our sin and turn to Jesus. And once you do that, once you finally experience the unlimit, I'm sorry, the limitless forgiveness of Jesus Christ, then you will be able to forgive others in the way that you've been forgiven. Harvest, we must be a church that forgives without limit. This is what we do. I want to close with just something a little bit different today. We have a, a pastor in our fellowship that created a, a spoken word video that kind of sums up this entire series. So I'm going to show you this video and let you just kind of get a, a nice picture of everything we've talked about the last couple weeks. And then I'll pray and we'll sing real quick and we'll be dismissed this morning. Let's roll the video. Do you have what it takes? Do you fit into what they say? It seems like everywhere you turn, people check for your mistakes. You gotta live up to the expectations they create because they place you in a rank like a person without a face. Better get your house in order. Better get your act together because your value is evaluated by the blemish on your record. You have to wear the right clothes and you have to vote for the right person to gain inclusion in the club and to prove that you got a purpose. See out there, your admittance into certain circles is contingent on your adherence to mantras and political hurdles, towing the party lines and recitation of creeds, suppressing your true self for the sake of uniformity, but not here. Here, we welcome without judgment, a collective of the wounded, an assembly of work in progress projects with no delusions about being good enough ourselves to keep anyone out for any reason. Nah, come as you are, bring everything, even your broken pieces. Cause here you'll be warmed, welcomed, fed, and clothed with dignity. Come feast at the table, despite differences and deficiencies. Cause you'll be chosen, loved, and listened to like a good beat. Because this is what we do, and if we don't, then we should be. See, out there, your acceptance is provisional, conditional and cynical, political and critical. It'll leave you feeling like you're walking on eggshells or a tight rope. It's like jumping off of a sinking ship without a lifeboat. But not here. Here we love without condition, a love that transcends human weakness. Because we've been loved much, we love much. A love like Jesus, a love that's unguarded, 
uncanny and indiscriminate a love without boundaries without warning and unsolicited because that's what we do not because our love's superior but because his love overflows from us no matter your criteria see out there just one wrong step one wrong opinion one small hint of dissent and you'll be unfriended see they'll swipe left and you'll be demoted and abandoned and suddenly the social spotlight will leave you stranded but not here here we forgive without limits no gimmicks no cynics it's just the way we live it's in us 70 times 7 and then some a forgiveness that reaches deep into wherever you came from so bring your scarlet letters, bring your crimson streaks of sin, your transgressions blotted out by the one who knows where you have been. Your sorrow will be turned to joy, your sickness will be restored, your sins will be turned white as snow, forgotten, lost forevermore. We welcome without judgment, we love without condition, we forgive without limits. Yeah, this is our position, no revisions. So put away your fears of rejection, no more hiding, come inside and experience this true acceptance. See, it's through Jesus and the church that the world will be renewed. It's the solution. It's the revolution. This is what we do. So that's actually Pastor John Kelly. And just so you guys know, he's actually going to be coming to us in June. He's going to be preaching for us in June. So you definitely want to be here. I love that guy. He's going to be a great minister to us that, that day. But... Let me just pray for us, and then why don't you go ahead and stand, and we're going to sing one short chorus as we leave together today. Heavenly Father, thank you for forgiving us. Lord, thank you for making a way where there was no way, where we could never repay our sin debt to you. So you sent your son to die on a cross and pay it for us. Lord, we don't deserve it. We could never earn it. But we can give it. So Lord, help us. Help us to be a people who forgives those who sin against us. Without limit, without hesitation. Lord, help us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Lord, we just want to follow you in your perfect love forgiveness for us. Lord, we belong to you. For all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's sing this chorus together. I have